everyone, and thank you so much for downloading this episode of Bees Pod. Remember, myself, I've been very busy in the past few weeks. We've been interviewing quite a few ex-players to follow on from our Kenny Lowe interview, and we're really excited about sharing those with you over the coming months. But for now, today's show focuses more on the present and Ross Yeem's men as they try and overcome an injury crisis to move further up the table in League Two. As ever, we really hope you enjoy the show and you know where to find us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud and iTunes to get your questions and to get your thoughts in. Thanks and enjoy the show. Welcome to this episode of Beast Pod. Uh, I'm Ian Bottrell, um, your host and editor, and I'm delighted to be joined uh, by Mem. How are you doing this evening? Yeah, good, thanks. Yep, so Mem's been, uh, well, this is your second Beast Pod today, Mem. Where have you, where have you been this morning? Are we gonna are we gonna tell everybody, or are we just gonna be vague again like last time? Well, well I think I think you can you could maybe drop a, a cryptic clue as to where you were, and then maybe the sort of keener listeners will be able to figure out uh, or pinpoint uh, which legend you were interviewing this morning. Okay, this morning I was in Beckenham. Okay, is that is that as, is that as much you're gonna give away? Okay, maybe I would, maybe I was seeing uh, seeing the birds. Seeing the birds. Okay, well we'll uh, we'll come back to that a little bit later, but. Um, we're really excited about about these kind of upcoming interview series, and um, we had a really good feedback from the from the first one we did with Kenny Lowe uh, a few weeks ago, which is still up on our, our iTunes and SoundClouds. And um, yeah, we're really looking forward to to seeing what you guys make of, of the next series we've got coming up. Um, but for now, onto onto sort of more uh, pressing matters, if you will. Um, our last podcast was recorded uh, just before um, the game against Swindon Town um, and since then the Bees have played a couple of times with varying results on each occasion. Um, I guess man, when we when we spoke last uh, on the show we, we kind of talked about expectations for uh, the games against Swindon, Cambridge, Exeter um, and just uh, more recently uh, Carlisle on the weekend. What, what's your kind of take on how those four games have panned out for us? Well, I was looking at it because I remember we said before that we needed really. I was, I said I wanted a draw from Swindon, a win against Exeter, and a win against Cambridge, the two home matches, and we ended up with two wins and a loss. And actually, that's not bad. So I, so I was thinking seven points, and we got six. So and then we got a credible away win at Car- Carlisle. So on paper, it's not bad. It's not a bad run. Seven points in four games. It's not a bad run. And if you if you kind of um, you know look at that on paper, a lot of people would have obviously taken that beforehand. What did you make, though, of our performances in those games? I mean, do you think we were deserving of, of those points or did we kind of get a bit lucky in some games? Well, the really interesting thing is we absolutely battered Swindon after they kind of battered us at the beginning of their game. Because I, uh, I watched the game twice just because it was fun. Um, but the beginning of it, actually Swindon had some chances and they didn't put them away. And then basically we just just took over after we scored our first goal we just put the you know we put our foot down and uh totally um destroyed them and caught us was unplayable on the day um but then the irony of it is, is that against Exeter we played really well in the first half and then the second half was uh we and we lost it in the second half so it was kind of like a role reversal of the, the Swindon game um so and Cambridge was a really good performance. Just generally, we just outclassed them from the start. So, and the Carlisle game again, we started well. So it's it's there's been some really good performances in the last four games. But and I'm sure we'll, we'll definitely be sort of talk a bit about this in a bit more detail. But the team is really starting to flag now, and it's really noticeable. The last two games we've started really well and started to flag. 
and I think the absence of several uh, sort of senior pros is really starting to show now, and that's a big challenge for Rossi. It's interesting you mentioned that, man, because um, I went to both the, the Swindon game and the Cambridge game. Um, the Swindon game was was really interesting, as you said. It they started very very strongly, and you know if you've been going to Barnet away games, uh, you know re- regularly for the last sort of ten years, you kind of get a sense uh, early on for what the game's going to be like. And it did look as though if we'd gone a goal down there, it, it would have been very difficult to get back into the game. And um, it was a really odd game. It was almost surreal, really, because we we got a you know a lucky first goal. Um, I think, to be fair, quite a lucky penalty. Um, and then, you know, they had a man sent off. So it was kind of a game where everything went our way. And we, we ended up winning 4-1 with a couple of great goals. But I didn't really felt that we learned much about the team. Uh, the, the Cambridge game in comparison was a lot better. I was really, I thought it was a very strong performance um, against a decent side. Um, and yeah, those last, you know, that, that loss against Exeter and the draw against Carlisle were was, was similarly good performances. But you touched on something there that I want to sort of dig into now, which is which is this flagging. Um, because in both of the games, so Carlisle uh, was the 85th minute, Exeter was two goals in the last sort of 15 or so. I mean, is, is this a question of fitness? Is it long-term fitness? Is it a short-term issue with the squad? What is causing us to, to start well and then um, sort of fall away as the game goes on? I think just the, the, the sheer volume of games that we've been playing. We've been playing pretty much um, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for a for, for a number of weeks and generally speaking you do get that at the beginning of the season because the because what they try and do the league is whilst the pitches are a bit all right they try and get as many games out of the way um but the problem is we've got a lot of teenagers in our side uh, or players under the age of 21 and anybody who says that are oh, they youngsters they should be able to run around doesn't understand the science behind um you, you know the energy levels of a youngster they suffer fatigue um, a lot harder than players who are a little, a little bit more mature because their bodies are still growing, their bodies are still adapting. So, especially to the the rigors of of adult adult football. So, the difference is it's, it's not necessarily that they're sitting there and they're literally on their hands and knees and crawling and they're like totally gone. It's more to do with the sharpness. They're they're getting slow. They're slower in, get more sluggish into the tackles, slush, more sluggish closing players down, and then also making sloppy decisions, losing the ball sloppily, like, for instance, uh, Exeter, Jack Taylor, just got punished for a mistake. And generally speaking, when when a player is tired, they start to make silly decisions because, you know, the brain um, is the first thing that goes when when you're tired. So, and the the problem is, though, you look on the bench, and aside from a couple of positions that we we can rotate, Harry Taylor is desperate for a, a little, as desperate for a rest. Um, I think Jacks probably needs a bit of a rest. Mauro probably needs to be taken out for a little bit, and so does JCR. The three in midfield have, co- have covered so much ground in recent weeks um, that I feel that I think Tatonda, to um, not Tatonda, I think the Fonguk will probably play in the next game, or, or I would assume that he'll play in the next game just because to get some fresh legs in there. Blackman will come back in, I think, and then one of the players will probably come out and be rotated. But poor Harry Taylor, at the moment, we don't have anybody to to help to freshen him up. I mean, do you do you think it's a it's a question of you know we'll come on to the injuries in a second. Um, is it a question of just the players not having anyone to rotate them? So like someone like Harry Taylor, you know, being required to play game after game, or, or do you think it's something about Rossi's style of football, um, perhaps outside of possession, that is causing even higher levels of fatigue? Than say will be noticeable under someone like Martin Allen. 
it's difficult to know because obviously because uh, I've only got a small sample size to look at. Um, but clearly, um, Rossi expects his players to work really hard. But I think the key to it is it's not that they're running around tearing around like maniacs. I think the key to it is they're working so hard to get back into shape. Um, the side is 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 this is probably one of the most disciplined sides I've seen. Even when Martin Allen was here, and you know people were saying he's a good coach for organising the side, there were games we'd go away and get bad. So we don't get bad with this Rossi team. We just we've lost games by the odd goal. Um, so the team are working really hard to get behind the ball. They're really hard working hard to win the ball. And and I think what's going to have to happen at some point is Rossi's going to have to slightly adapt the team again to try and um, maybe the pressing won't be so um, so continuous and it might be little triggers. So um, and to you know it will be a on and off uh, pressing game. So. Um, Obviously, there's, there's, there's. I mean, some teams are just relentless, like the the Liverpool kind of. They're just the whole. They look like a bunch of you know, flies around, you know, the proverbial. Um, but there are teams that actually where they press and they go. They it's from a trigger. So one player will will trigger the the press, um, and it might be that something like that might be um, a more useful um, tactic, just to obviously to sort of help our players through this period so they're not expending so much um, energy a, a second thing on the organization thing is one thing people have picked up on um is the fact that we're conceding a relatively high proportion of our goals from set pieces i was just wondering if that's something that i mean obviously it's quite common in in all kind of leagues in england um is that something that you've noticed and, and do you think there's a reason for that or do you think that people are looking for a pattern where there isn't really one with that one the nature of Division Two football is a lot of goals will be scored from dead balls because the quality is not there um, to be opening up teams constantly. These games get won by one good delivery, a good delivery in the box, and somebody good in the air. Um, but when I look back at the goals that we've conceded, I'm thinking the X was it the X to winner. Um, yeah. The Carlisle goal was a worldie. That's you can't that that you just can't account for that. Um, I'm trying to think what Swindon goals like and the Cambridge goal, but I don't think they were scored from dead balls. Or yeah, so Swindon, Swindon's, Swindon's goal was a bit poorly. It was kind of a, a, a ball worked out to the side, which they crossed into the back post and nodded in. Um, but the Cambridge goal was a set piece. Um, and then the, the Exeter goal, um, well, one of them was a was a set piece. And then the other one was that kind of, yeah, scrambled around in the last minute or so. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, just wondering whether that's something that, that you think is a problem or, or do you think it's just part and parcel of the game? I think it is. I think at this level it is because um, that's actually probably one area that we could we could improve upon. I think because I still think we we've never replaced the delivery of Luisma in the team, um, and that in itself. And it's the reason. Like it's, I've, I've made this point before, but it's the reason um, why uh, Muggleton was you know that Martin Allen was so obsessed with having Muggleton in the side because at this level set pieces do settle games. So it is something we need to defend, but I just don't think in the context of the last four games, we've con- yeah we've conceded two out of four. Is that is that a noticeable problem? Let's let's see maybe halfway through the season and, and then work it out. I mean, another thing that is is common in league two uh, and in all leagues is, is injuries, but that's certainly somewhere where we've had our, our fair share of bad luck. I mean, we were talking before the show about the amount of players we've got out with injuries. 
is that just a, a simple case of bad luck? I know not many of them are muscle injuries or training ground injuries. Or again, is, is this sort of a result of, of quite a high-pressing style of football without much rest that, that means that players' are, players' workloads are just significantly higher than they've had to deal with in the past? Um, I'm looking now down the list of the injuries. Um, I, I, we, uh, you know, Before we came on air, we, um, we did discuss, sort of worked out what the injuries were. I can see that... I think Brindley was done at home, wasn't it? And Johnson and Tarpy, because I've heard people saying that they think it's the pitch. Yeah, I mean, I remember Tarpy's one was was very innocuous in the sense that it wasn't a contact injury. He just sort of was running after a ball and then pulled up. Um, yeah, and it, it was there was a complaint when Johnson, um, Elliot Johnson, did his knee in. There was a complaint from uh, I think it was Nate, was it Nathan Jones? Was it the Luton game? Yeah. That the pitch yeah. was a bit sticky. And I um I do wonder because this is something that Arsenal have actually they've Arsenal have dug up their training ground pitches because what happened is the pitches are actually too good. Um, when you've got particularly firm pitch, it doesn't it's no give on it, and it essentially is like astroturf, and we all know that on on some of the astroturf pitches that ankle injuries and knee you're susceptible to an ankle and in knee because there's no give in the pitch, and I wonder. And this is again, I've, I, it would again. It's like you know, small sample size. But when you look at knee injury from Johnson, knee injury from Tarpey, ankle injury from Brindley, um, and I don't know if Curtis's was done at home. Um, Stevens was definitely away. That's if that if if Curtis was at home, that's four out of the six in six main injuries we've got, which have been done at home. Um, makes you wonder: is the pitch too firm? Um, it's difficult to know. I, I haven't been out down there. I'd like to have gone down. I'd like to go down there and have a look and see. But obviously, I'm get I get get arrested and banned. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because I, I think it. You know, someone was saying on online that this was one of the the worst they can remember for injuries um, in, in quite a while. And you know, with that in mind, it seems that Rossi's doing quite a good job. He's had a tough start with fixtures, um, and he's had a bad run with injuries. But we're still very competitive. Um, and doing reasonably well mid-table. One of the biggest injuries, obviously, at the start, we, we thought would be a real problem would be Big John. But, um, you know, we've got people now saying, not in jest. I mean, we, we've gone from someone saying on the forum that without Big John, we'd be a conference south side uh, to someone now saying, um, you know, do we do we really need him when we come back into the team? Is a sort of serious question. So I, I guess I'll put that question to you, but I guess feeding into it is, is more a question of what what is it, that Big John will give us that we currently don't have? And, and will we kind of significantly adapt with him in the team or will we kind of just see him slot in for a Jean-Louis Akbrak pro or, or that sort of player up front and carry on playing the way we are? I think what John offers us is he, he, he offers that 75-25, um, um, sorry, that 50-50 ball that becomes 75-25 in John's favour. No player likes uh, John herring down them. What I would like to see is I'd like to see John in the side with the way that the team is playing currently because one thing that I would I one thing that happens sometimes with John when you've got such an icon in the side players get sometimes get a bit lazy and they start to want to hit that person all the time so if John could play and sort of fit seamlessly where say Jean-Louis Akpak pro plays um with Cortez buzzing around and pulling players out, I could see them two being such a good partnership because John uh, Kinde loves to play on the shoulder and Cortez seems to be a guy that likes to buzz around and just is constantly on the move. Just, I just think the two of them, you know, just cause havoc. Um, 
And if the way that the team are playing, I think that John will offer us that threat over the top um, where balls are being played in and, and we don't really have anybody with a pace to get in behind. All of a sudden, we've now got a threat in behind. We've got a threat down the, in the channels, got a threat to feet. It's it's really it's a it's a really exciting prospect actually. I mean, to what extent do you, do you think that that Rossi um, deserves credit for for managing us without Big John? Because I remember watching points at games last year when we had sort of Muggletons, and you know, I remember doing the long throw count at Newport on a particularly cold October evening, and you know, it was just a very depressing style of football with you know a very big focus on John and and not much else. I mean. Do you think that Rossi Rossi deserves a lot of credit for adapting the style of play? I mean, if we were playing under Martin Allen, hypothetically speaking, would we be struggling and noticing the, the miss of John a lot more? Yeah, and I think also what would have happened is Martin Allen would have, would, would have constantly been badgering on about it in the press. One thing that's impressed me with Rossi is, when was the last time you heard Rossi complaining about Kinde not being in the side? Yeah. He's just got on with it, hasn't he? And to me, that's that's you know huge credit to him. He's just gone right. I haven't got I haven't got a kinde. It's no point me. There's no point me moaning about it. But I know for, Martin Allen would have been in the press every single week complaining about the fact he didn't have a kinde. Um, I think what Rossi's done is he's built a side that can still have. It's it's not completely alien to what John John can do. So. In some respects, he's, what's actually happened, and it's maybe happened not necessarily by design, but by by accident, is that um, because John's not been in the side, there's not going to be this focus on people saying, "Oh, John's not scoring; he's not getting involved enough." A bit like what's happened in the back end of last year. So he's allowed to, it's allowed Rossi to get the team really flowing and getting really sort of understanding where they need to be, understanding how the game goes, and then essentially, then John can just be like parachuted in into the into a functioning side, a properly functioning side. Um, which ultimately means, and the team's full of confidence as well. So, if anything, this is this, this way it's worked is, is actually been a happy accident. Another one of the questions we picked up this evening, um, which I'd like to touch upon, is is kind of in John's absence, players that have sort of stood out and flourished. From what you've seen this year, are there any players that are, you, you think are really standing out? Let's go for two players that are really standing out and who have really kicked on since last season in this new formation system. Oh, Ian, that's hard, mate. Because I was gonna, because I, I can think of three, and I don't know how I can split go go from three to two. Right, I'll, I'll go for three then. I'll let you go for All three. All right. So um, obviously, Coolthurst has literally caught fire now, and he is he's looking a good player now. It's just it's amazing what a few games does and a little bit of uh, confidence does. It looks a threat all the time. Um, I think David Satonda has been unbelievable whether it being at left center back or being at left back he's looked it just looks the business he's he's so athletic very quick into tackle yes he made a mistake uh, against Exeter which actually I think although he went to ground a bit too a bit too cheaply in my opinion um he did win the ball um I look back on the highlights he did win the ball uh, and then we got punished from the free kick um but apart from that, he's been great. I mean, some of the, even going forward as well, he's he's very aggressive going forward. But to me, so far, player of the season has been Mauro. Um, but what a transformation! I mean, he's I like him, but he has been a very sort of you know um, solid performer. Solid performer. He's gone from being a solid performer to being the uh, main man in centre mid, and I wonder is when players come back from injury and things like that, is actually Mauro still going to be in the side? Because I, I think he probably will. Yeah, it would be crazy to drop him, I think, based on 
on what's happened. And it often happens like that with Maro. He ends up having a really good game uh, in a certain position, but because he's not considered to be a you know a winger or a fullback or a central midfielder or an attacking midfielder, when when a player who is that that position only comes back, he often gets shunted. And I think it's just great that he's getting a real run in the side because he's been an absolute revelation. Um, and people said, you know, when they look at the midfield of um, of Campbell, Rice, Taylor and Mauro, that looks, you know, wafer thin and could easily get overrun. But tactically, they've been superb. And, and he's a real live wire in there with the with the skills to match. So, yeah, I'd probably join you on those three. I think, I think there's been a few others that have been really strong, actually. I think Craig Ross has, has really impressed me. I, I was a bit nervous um, at the start. Because you know, when I was from at Swindon, I wasn't that impressed. But I think he's he's done really well to step in in Jamie's absence. I mean, is that of the players that are missing? You know, we've got Jamie missing. You know, John, I guess still Curtis. Are there any players then that you think will, will make a huge impact when they come back? Are there any players you think, gosh, I cannot wait for for him to come back? Or do you think we're managing quite well without them? I would. If if tomorrow you told me out of that list, who would you like to come back tomorrow? I think the player that would make the biggest difference would be Brindley. And I don't mean that with any disrespect to Harry Taylor. I just think that Harry is he is playing one of the most physically demanding positions in football. And he has played virtually every minute there. Um, poor guy. I just think he needs a bit of a rest. Don't think we, you know, I don't want to flog him because I thought he's been a real clubman. He's, he's you know, it's not really his position, but he's just got down. He's just got his head down and he's and he's just, you know, tried to work really hard. Um, and I think some people have been really harsh with him because actually there was one I remember reading on the forum and somebody was like totally like just criticising him big style. And I watched the game after seeing that criticism and I thought, hang on a second, Harry hasn't put a foot wrong here. He's been confident um, and he's kept the ball well, offered himself in most. And I just thought, well, I don't see the criticism. He's not he's not a Danny Alves style fullback, uh, sort of wing back, but he's really solid performer and. But I just think having Brindley would just just ease the pressure off him and just take some of the physical demands off him. A bit like what Spurs do with the way they rotate the fullbacks. Yeah, it's interesting that because that, that's the immediate comparison you draw to a side who are playing a similar-ish system, albeit with perhaps a slightly different calibre of player, um, is that one. And he is certainly a player who does look very, very tired. But no, they're coping very, very well. And I guess if we sort of wrap this up, we're, we're looking ahead to a few games now. Um We've been through, I think, a relatively tough start to the season. We've got Crawley at home on Saturday, uh, Lincoln on the Tuesday, and then Wickham away. Um, and I'm certainly going to try and get to the Wickham and, and Crawley game. I'll probably be, well, I know I'll be stuck at work for the for the Lincoln away game. But looking at those three men, I mean, what what are your what are your aspirations for those in terms of performances, uh, and then in terms of results? Well, Crawley have not had a great start, so I would expect three points from that. We need and we need three points at home. Um, if we're going to stay in this position, definitely need three points. Lincoln, happy with a draw out there. Um, I and as for what's the one? What's the oh, and and Wickham away? I'd be happy for a Wickham away draw. Look, if look if we win all our home games and get at least a point from all our, on our travels, that would well, that's four points from two. We need two points a game to be in and around the playoffs. So that really should be the aim: win all our home games, draw at least draw our away games. And um, and I guess you know finally then looking ahead to the to the rest of the season, we said you know at the start of the year in our preview show that the podcast um, we said one of the things we'd be looking out for would be maintaining a bit of consistency throughout the season. You know we're we're kind of bang mid table at the moment, based on what you've seen with the players coming back, 
what have you kind of revised your end of season position for us or, or are you kind of sticking to what you were saying which is a sort of you know a tenth this kind of upper mid table finish all right there's a caveat with this if we can get if we can get some bodies um and maybe i know i know that um tony cleanfoss has said that there, there is a signing on the cards a free transfer a free agent if we can get some bodies in the squad just to freshen things up i'm actually thinking that we could be in and around the playoffs i've i've the the quality of what I've seen, we've you know the the league leaders who are running away with it at the moment. Exeter were second best to us for for the first half in that game, so we definitely are a good side. What will probably undo us is the fact that we've got a um, a smallish uh, well, we've got a small pool of players available, and um, I know we haven't touched on this yet, but um, I know that I've seen people comments and actually I kind of agree that. Maybe it might be something a time to sort of reintroduce Watson and um, Nichols just to help take the burden off some of the players, um, even if in a capacity of being subs or just, you know, I think that they might have to be reintroduced because we've got them now till January. Yeah, it's, it's a point that people have been making, you know, as to whether we could free up some money through loans or, or you know, um, bring them back into the squad. But it certainly seems, you know, if we've got four decent players there to sort of uh, leave them, you're sort of rotting in the reserves isn't isn't the best way forwards. Um but I, I guess we'll trust Rossi on that one because he's doing well so far. Um well well thanks very much, Ben. I mean before you go, um I'm just gonna give a sort of a final plug to um you know our Kenny Lowe interview we did a few weeks ago and also just a sort of little reminder to keep your ears your ears peeled, uh if that's a saying for the uh, for the upcoming ones. Um and as ever if you've got any sort of you know comments or or thoughts on you know who you'd like to uh see us interview next um do give us a shout um but yeah we're, we're going to catch up with a with a live show after Crawley uh if that's possible um so we'll kind of have a bit more news for you then on or a bit more of an in-depth breakdown in the game um but for now Mem thanks uh, very much for joining us and um no yeah worries, fingers crossed we can keep up the the good form and um and catch up probably on, on Saturday yeah hopefully hopefully see you Saturday Thank you so much for downloading this episode of Bees Pods. Uh, I'm Ian and Mem and I are really, really pleased to have you listening with us over the season and for previous shows as well. As ever, you can get in contact with us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud or iTunes. And we really, really hope you enjoyed this show and the ones coming up in the future. Thanks again and come on you bees. <laughs>